Today's program is brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's uh, April 19th, 2016, Election Day in New York State. Yeah. And it's also we're coming up on the 500th anniversary of the Rhine Heights Kabot. And uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer CEO. We've got some great guests. We're going to be talking about uh, great traditions in German beer and uh, some controversies around this 500-year-old purity law, including Sylvester Schneider from Zum Schneider. Servus. The Mad Schneider. Travis Kaufman from Folksbier. Hello. Mitt Glenn, his assistant. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And, of course, our co-host, Ambassador, in the house. Guten Tag. And uh, Beer Sessions right? Radio. Is, that's good. Brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales und lagers. <laughs> so it's funny that the, this show came about because Sebastian Sauer, who's from Freigeist and Monarchy and Cologne in Germany, has put the word out for months, hey, on April 23rd, it's the 500th anniversary of this German beer purity law, and so we wanted to have a show about it. But we're really going to start with the great diversity of, of, of amazing German beers. And, you know, uh, Sylvester at Zum Schneider, you, you're one of the leading, you know, places in New York that serves uh, great German beer. And then, Travis, you're, you're inspired by German traditions, and you're making new-style American beers. So uh, let, let's, let's, give, let's give a shout-out. Say... say where you stand on this, you know, and we're starting with what the Urgesticke, another great style of German beer. Urgesticke, I'm sure I'm the wrong one to ask about because I don't really like the Düsseldorf Alt beer, and uh, so I don't know much about it, and I don't have a very good opinion about. it. So somebody else talk about it. <laughs> That's good. You know, I, Sylvester was so you know so much to say on the way in, and now he's so quiet. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on the spot again. But it was a good, honest answer. Yes, but there, there is a mad, mad that, world that's of what Sylvester. You can count on for me. One thing I, I'm going to give credit to you in that when I was first opening uh, Jimmy's Number Forty Three. I had a, a one of those conundrums where there was an existing beer-only license, and my choice was I could open that place with the beer-only license, or I could not open it or have to wait a long time for a, a fuller license. And I said, you know, the one place I like to go where I only drink beer is Zum Schneider on Avenue C and 7th Street. So, Sylvester, without you, I never would have opened a beer bar. Wow. Yeah. So why did you open a beer bar in the That's first place? A, uh, Let's get you to talk a little bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> first of all, I hope everybody went out to vote. Very important. It was the very first time for me. I became an American citizen a year and a half ago, so yeah. But anyway, uh, why did I open a beer bar? Because I love beer. I was homesick to the German beer, and back in the day, 16 years ago, we have our 16th anniversary this year, uh, there was not much around. We used to go over to Swift and uh, drink the entire uh, <laughs> only case they had of Schneiderweiss there, and then when that was gone, we went over to uh, DBA and drank the other one. <laughs> and uh, that was it for German beer back then. Uh, fortunately and unfortunately for us, there's a lot more out there, meaning also we have a lot more competition. But um, uh, I brought in some beer myself from Andex and Hofbrauhaus Traunstein, uh, which we have um, exclusively at Zum Schneider. 
out of that reason because a lot of German beers uh, were all of a sudden available everywhere. But um, I'm glad I inspired you to open a beer bar. <laughs> Hopefully you, you sure did. And still. you always inspire me. <laughs> and then Travis, you know, tell us your story. We've had you on before, but... Yeah, well, I've been homebrewing for, for 20 years, and uh, German beers have always been an inspiration. And, and learning about beers early on, I learned about the, the German purity laws, and, and that was kind of like... You know, there aren't a lot of rules or, or laws involving beer, uh, and that was one that I could kind of grab onto um, as a young brewer and, and work with. So I became familiar with it, and it really helped me when I was starting concentrate on the, the fundamental, like the basic part of the beer, the beer part of the beer, if you will. So who wants to give us a backstory on the Reinheitsgebot? I can give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, some some people give this guy uh Duke Wilhelm IV, some credit. I never heard of the guy, quite honestly. <laughs> um, it's more like Duke Ludwig. Our guys were always called Ludwig in, uh, in Bavaria. Um, we only have one picture in our place, and that is of König Ludwig. But it's not this one. This is Ludwig X, and he apparently together with Duke Wilhelm IV um, did this. What's the American word for that? Decreed, right? Yes, yeah. I, I learned that today. I never, never stopped learning. I just became American after 25 years. There's still, there's still a lot of words I don't know. Anyway, what's, but his what's, the, what's the German word for it? I have no idea. He <laughs> learned a new word Decreed. today. <laughs> I guess it's English. making a contract or something like that. <laughs> anyway, you know, the whole world's listening. They, they really want to know about this. Reinheitsgebot. Okay, well, uh, you know, they back in the days they put a lot of dirty stuff into the beer, including like. Uh, you know, animal parts and sawdust and soot and uh, poisonous roots and whatever not they wanted to put in. And um, these guys were tired of drinking that stuff, and uh, that's why they invented the purity law and uh, forcing these brewers to only use the three ingredients, which nowadays is four ingredients because back then the yeast was automatically in the dirty kegs. So um, uh, the yeast was... Uh, introduced a lot later by this French guy who what was it um, what's his name I'm sure you did the research on Please, that don't, don't toy with me <laughs> Louis Pasteur there you go Travis passes beer exam. You <laughs> can be a brewer in Germany. You know, I I uh, think we should take this actually very serious because we now face similar problems through uh, companies called Monsanto, who uh, destroy our grains and uh, you know mess with our beer too. If people use those seeds, and uh, that goes for pesticides and all of the rest of the shit too. Excuse my French. So. Preach, you know. I want to reach across and give you a hug. Keep and then there, there's a timeline which I looked up. So uh, in 1487, these these rules were first established in Munich. Yes, and then well, 1516 no. Bavaria, Ingolstadt, Goldstadt, Ingolstadt. 1516 Bavaria, which we're celebrating. That's why it's the 500th anniversary. Yes, 1516 plus 500. And if I'm not mistaken, there were several variants of like different. I guess changing forms of this law before it finally reached that, right? Like anyone who brews bad beer should be punished or anyone that, you know, there were certain like... It actually came together with the the price setting of it. Uh, they uh, one pfennig. It was, you were not allowed to sell a mass beer, which is one liter, for more than one pfennig back in the days. That was brought into enforceable law, just like the Reinhardtsgebot. 
but you know this was 500 years ago I don't really know I wasn't there so who knows <laughs> it's a long time it was groundbreaking and then Travis for you when you started making beer what does the Rhine Heights boat like do to you as a brewer and sh- shaping you now uh, I mean I don't I certainly don't don't adhere to it with all my beers um, nor nor do I desire to but it's you know it's a it's something to concentrate on and you know like I said if you look at wine or even olive oil and a lot of other food there's so many laws around what you can call it and um, you know regional laws and, and sort of specific things but beer doesn't really have any of that and even styles are, are so broad and so it's such a gray area that to have a law that you can kind of look at and it gives you some sort of you know historical reference to a style in a region and a time is, is, is amazing. You know, and I, I brought along this book, Horse Thornbush. He's the assistant editor for the Oxford Encyclopedia of Beer. He's a friend, and he sent me his new book recently. And I was thinking about it for today's show, and one thing that the Reinhardt's Cabot has done is there's, there's so many. It's not just like it's, it's a pills or, you know, it's, it's, it's a dark beer. There's so many styles of, of, of beers in Germany. I mean, there's one Dampf beer, which is like a steam ale, and they're, they're all made with, within, you know, this whatever, can, you know, rules. Um, tell us about some of the other beers that you're going to have on for, for the celebration this weekend. Sylvester. Well, we're bringing in a lot of stuff that me personally, I'm, you know, and like my don- very, my, my don- very don- first uh, answer don- was don- honest. I'm always honest, and I honestly don't know a lot of these beers. But um, we have a great guy in the neighborhood who uh, imports a lot of great German beer, and he helped me out to put that list together. Bob Weyersberg, I'm sure you're listening. What's going on, Bob? Um, <laughs> Shelton Brothers. He has a Freigeist Abraxas uh, that's a smoked wheat beer. Never, ever had a smoked wheat beer in my life. I'm not a big smoked beer fan, but I'm curious. What is this going to be like? Uh, we're going to have a, a Freigeist Ote Cologne Kölsch. That's an unfiltered Kölsch. That's pretty interesting, too. We have an alt from Füchschen, uh, traditional alt beer. We got Mars Ungespunded Lager, which is a Keller beer. Uh, Keller beers are very popular favorites. now. Unfiltered. <clears throat> And uh, to that, I want to uh, also add that we already have the 1516 Keller beer from Weihenstefano, the oldest Bavarian brewery, actually the oldest brewery in the world. That's what they say. Um, And do you think that most most of your customers, do they know about the different German beer styles? Because Germany has, I think, almost the most diverse... Well, they will on Friday. They have gozes, they have (laughs) sour beers. We're doing a big big event... uh, to celebrate this Friday night, and we're doing about, I think it's 17 to 18 kegs. We have German music coming in, food. We're doing a, I made a visual timeline across the bar of different important dates in German beer history. I mean, to really give a spotlight on a lot of these beers that, unfortunately, I feel like people are saying are boring these days or aren't exciting or interesting. I feel the complete opposite. You know, in the midst of all this craziness, it's something that's solid, that has stood the test of time, and, and I want to celebrate that. So what's, what's a German beer that you, you would say this is a beer that stands out in my mind as a great beer? I could name a thousand, but the one that I brought today just because I can never get enough is Aventinas. You know, to me, it's classic, quintessential beer that is never not perfect. It always hits the spot, and I've never had anybody not like it. So I'd have to probably start there and then... If I may add, Aventinos is also a very um, intoxicating uh, subject. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've all so been there too, for drink sure. it with care, guys. Sure. I'm sure this lady over there, she knows how to handle it. 
I had a mock Oktoberfest. In two, it was mock because I'm not German, but I had a, we had a billboard on the side of my old bar, and a woman who was a German performance artist, live painter, was up there with a harness making a, a painting just for us, and I drank eight Aventinas, 16-ounce <laughs> bottles. Damn. And that's what, wow. 8%, right? That's, that's a beer to drink. But. You ever did eight? 8.2. Oh, have I? <laughs> nah. 8.2. I can, I can do two, quite honestly. That's it. What's this next beer? This, this is a is nice. This is really nice. The Frygeist. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Let's talk about Sebastian Sauer before we have him on there because it's cool that he's calling in from somewhere in Europe. Um, does anyone know him? I don't think so. I would know by face, maybe. I don't know him personally. I'm a huge fan of his beers. Yeah. So he, he he's Frygeist. He's in in Cologne, 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 and he makes variations of cultures and things. Yeah, he's taking sort of like a, a modern um, approach to traditional German styles and making consciously making beers within or in Hetzkebot, and then also consciously making not beers outside of uh, <laughs> the the purity laws. He's going to be calling in. But he was here, right? A he's been on the show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. He's, he's been, been on. He here. comes to New York. And yeah, he's kind of that. He's, that's why we're having the show. Is he's kind of an ambassador of like. Like the new wave of German beer, because you know, despite what what we're, we're tasting, and there's so many different you know styles and great German beers. You know, n- not too long ago, most of the German breweries were bigger, and they didn't really have a lot of new like kind of small craft breweries. But yeah, I mean, that's where I come in. I'm a total traditionalist. You know, I uh, I still adore my lager, my Weiss beer. Mm. A dark every once in a while, and the pilsner very rarely because I'm not a big hops guy. But um, I like the traditional styles. I'm not such a huge fan of all the um, flavorings that are out there. <laughs> He's moving his arms in big circles for <laughs> listeners. He can't looking for the right word. Sylvester, you know you've you got to see this guy because you're so dynamic. I mean, talk about a guy that inspired me to have a beer bar. Every year at Christmas, he does live Christmas carols. He hosts Oktoberfest on the river, World Cups on the river. You also got a place in Montauk. Tell us about that place. Oh, place in Montauk, beer, Bavarian beer on the on the beach. People love it. I mean, you know, why not? You get thirsty on the beach. Salty air, hot sun, get thirsty. Uh, we opened five. This is the fifth season going into it. It's a little tough with the German food out there, I have to say. So we we cut a few corners and put put in a lot more fish now, and even a burger. but uh, I want to also tell you about our celebration of 500 years because that's part of our events program throughout the year that's what we're known for is that um, you know we never stand still we always think of something to entertain our customers and um, you're a great entertainer man (laughs) you gotta go next year at Christmas time he'll sing the 12 days of Christmas He makes everybody stand up. I'll sing with you. I conduct it. (laughs) You know, Sebastian, you're a wild and crazy guy, but his his poster here, it says, uh, 500 years, Ryan hikes a boat. It says, stay pure, drink beer. Stay pure, drink beer. Um, we're, We're kicking this off on, now I took my glasses off. We're kicking this off on Saturday um, with a keg on the, on the bar, gravity keg on the bar, we tap, and then I'll play with my band. My band's called the Yaya Yaz. 
uh, where the Zum Schneider Umpa Band will play some music. And, um, and we're going to start also uh, introducing some food that is cooked with beer. And that's going to go through how, throughout the whole week until May 1st, because May 1st is always a big celebration for us. Anyway, it's May Day, it's Labor Day in Germany, where we grill a suckling pig on the sidewalk and we play with the band again. But throughout the whole rest of the week, you have a chance to try all of these beers. We're going to have flights in our uh, Kölsch carousels, which uh, holds 11 beers. So you can buy a flight or you can just try one after another in a bigger mug. Uh, we're going to have some fun with you, man. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. Thank Woo. you. This is so good. you like good beer whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an ipa greatbrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet greatbrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products with so much information and misinformation out there greatbrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned take the great beer test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking about the 500th anniversary of the German Reinheitsgebot, German purity law. And we're with uh, Sylvester Schneider from Zoom Schneider, whose new theme is Stay Pure, Drink Beer. We've got Ambassera and uh, Travis from Folksphere. Travis, this is a great beer. You're inspired by German beers, and uh, tell us about this. Yeah, this is a, a beer that's called Hella Simple, and it's inspired um, <laughs> directly from um, August Schinnerbrau in Germany uh, and in, in Munich. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> now you, you get Sylvester's attention. <laughs> wow! Just say just say the names of German brands. He gets excited. <laughs> Augustina, Polana. Well, Augustina was the one beer I was not able to get here, and probably never will. They just don't take it out of the country. It's not the same. Yeah. 
You can get it. It's just not the same. Well, that, that yeah, the, the little bottles. But yeah. this is a Hellas, so it's like a, a simple lager. Yeah, so this is this is a beer that, that is almost in, impossible to export because it's really light and, and um, it's pretty delicate. So in Germany, when you get it, it's been really taken care of. It came from the brewery, and it was 45 degrees, and then it went to their brew house often um, or their bar, and then it's served in you know the perfect temperature at the perfect glass. And it's a great experience um, that we don't get to experience here. So, yeah, I've tried many yeah. times just like I have with Andex uh, to get it here and I was always turned turned away and these guys are very very honest and actually you know nice and polite but they just say we don't guarantee our beer to go over a big ocean and be served three months later no. so Andex is one of my favorites yeah. Yeah. isn't it great so we have right now a super fresh Brooklyn made German style beer what do you think of it let me take another sip watch out <laughs> Travis your whole business is on the line right now <laughs> Amazing, fresh, really grassy. Yeah, so this very one, grassy. Yeah, yeah, this one is is a is a fresh style of this, and we produce it like um, I imagine um, our German brewer would when they came to the states in the 1800s. They didn't have refrigeration, and they wanted to make their German lager, their Munich style lager. Right. Um, so this is an expression of that. Yeah, basically. It's yeah. amazing. Really good. Thank well, you. cheers to you, Travis. No hops in it. I think it's the first American beer I've ever tried that doesn't uh, kill me with hops. <laughs> Travis, wh- why, did, why did you decide to... Because everyone else was making IPAs, all the new Brooklyn breweries. Why did you decide to, to make a beer without... It's just it's Hops just focus. it's something that I enjoy making and I always have. I always look for a really kind of mellow, refreshing, well balanced beer. And there's so many great breweries making awesome uh, beers that are hop forward that I don't. You know, it gives me a little room to do another style. Hey, we haven't had a call-in guest in a while, but but this fellow is calling in from somewhere in Europe, and uh, the show's kind of about him. So, hello, Sebastian Sauer. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jimmy? Grüß Gott, Sebastian. Oder Servus, wie wir aus Bayern sagen, gell? Aber wir lieben die Kölner auch. That's so nice. I'm, I'm sorry, the, the line is a little bit noisy, so can you ask again? But hey, everybody, first of all. Servus. Hey. Okay, so this is the thing. You're on the phone. We know that. So, Sebastian, tell us why are you talking about the Reinheitsko boat? Hello. 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 Yes. Okay, now it's getting better again. Um, the purity law, I'm not talking too much uh, about this. I'm more talking uh, against it, actually, because on uh, Saturday there will be the big anniversary, 500 years of purity law, and uh, I'm part of a group of people who are not happy with it because it's uh, not making it possible for us to brew beers, not according to the purity law, like in the whole wide world, how it is done, and uh, still call it beer and sell it beer as beer in Germany. Great, Sebastian. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, yes. It's a bit noisy, uh, but I, I can still hear you, yes. Okay. Do you think that, the, that it would impact, you know, if you have an IPA, let's say, or a you know, Belgian whip beer that you're brewing for whatever reason, and you call it a whip beer, do you really think that the inclusion of the word beer would make a difference? And I'm genuinely asking that. Like that yes, would help. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is the reason. I mean, IPA is brewed most of the time brewed according to the purity law. Right. So this is not a problem. But if you were going to put would something. use some oat, oatmeal, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a wit beer would be totally not allowed. 
especially in Bavaria, you couldn't even brew it, even if you uh, uh, even if you would export the whole batch. They don't allow it. And and keep talking, Sebastian. W- w- give us more examples. Um, everything which is not brewed according to the purity law. The purity law, in, in short uh, definition, uh, means that uh, if you have a button fermented beer, you're only allowed to use water, barley malt, hops, and yeast. No other type of malt. You can't. Uh, you're not allowed to brew, brew a button fermented rye beer or wheat beer, for example. Uh, if you brew with uh, top fermented yeast, you're allowed to use uh, a little bit more ingredients, like all type of grains. But it always needs to be grain can't be like uh, unmalted wheat for example it's not possible and uh, you're allowed to use a certain type of uh, sugars for example but that's it you're not allowed to use any herbs spices and fruits at all while there's a difference between Bavaria where it's very strict so it's not even possible to brew these beers outside uh, for the uh, for export situations but uh, as we are not located in Bavaria, we can produce a beer, uh, these type of beers, but we are not allowed to call it beer in Germany. And you think that really affects what you're doing, like the bottom line of what you're doing? You can't just, if you just called it stout or wit or anything, you think the word beer would make such a difference? How about malt liquor? It is normally it's not a problem uh, because most of the or like nearly everyone knows what kind of uh, thing to expect when they buy beer from breweries like uh, mine. So if you uh, spend that kind, uh, type of money, you're like getting a little bit more busy with it most of the time. So this is not a huge problem, but uh, it's a little bit of a gray zone because uh, it's. Uh, normally you need a certain uh, phrase to uh, define your products and the normal uh, description would be beer and uh, if you uh, so we don't have anything like that on the label um, so if yeah if someone would like say okay you really need to do this the government would need to tell us um, it would be a problem because you couldn't put beer on so we would need to call it beer mix or whatever uh, and this is just not the right situation and um, the our our custom situation uh, custom already told us for example that we can't um, uh, tax our beer uh, like or like our our not purity law beers like uh, the normal beers because we have a reduced uh, tax amount because we are a small brewery and um, so they say okay you need to tax it like a big brewery these uh, special special uh, uh, type of it. beers. Got it. I have a question. What what do you know Hans Peter Drexler from Schneiderweiße? Yes, of course. Yeah, what do you think about his experiments? I mean, he experiments around a lot. Probably the most of all the beers I'm uh, offering since 16 years in my place. And uh, sometimes he hits the bullseye and sometimes he just completely fails it. But he... he, uh, he, tries a lot with the ingredients. Uh, he puts more hops. He um, uh, stores beer in uh, wine barrels, blah, blah, blah. What do you think of that? Uh, is that uh, something that is uh, tempting for a brewer like you, or you just want to use all of the forbidden ingredients? 
I want to brew like everyone else in the whole world because for me, uh, I'm, I'm German. I know German style beers and this is what I uh, studied for. But then um, I got to know the whole international beer world and this is where I'm like, okay, there's so much possible and I don't see a reason why I'm, I shouldn't be allowed to use it. You know, it's not something that if you use coriander or uh, some fruit that you get a, a poison drink out of it in combination with the normal ingredients is just very stupid and it's not something uh, which makes sense the purity law so you're that basically be saying it's sense behind it it's just it's just not the situation and uh, with uh, schneider i think their problem is that hans peter drexler is a fantastic brewer and uh, he would love to do different things. And uh, so in a few years ago, he made a beer with some other people and uh, he used strawberries. And the Bavarian Brewers Association told him, okay, if you're not getting and going in distance to that product, we need to kick you out of the association. And he's like, okay, I will go in distance to stay inside of the association. So he is not really able to do certain things. And uh, his boss, Georg Schneider, he's uh, defending the purity law in a big way, but it doesn't make sense for them because I can tell you a few examples. First of all, they have uh, they have these barrel HBS, as you said, the wine barrel HBS, mm. but. Uh, they, uh, you know, the purity law doesn't allow grapes or wine as an ingredient, but they uh, get so much flavor out of the wine barrels, so it doesn't make sense to say, okay, grapes is not possible, but wine barrels is fine, especially because the purity law says, okay, uh, barrel aging is fine only if you use uh, barrels which don't give taste to the beer. Uh, in former times, you always lagered the uh, yeast, uh, lagered the beer inside of barrels, but you had some uh, stuff inside uh, which made it very neutral. So there was no wooden taste or some spirit taste to the beer. And uh, so this is uh, the first thing which doesn't make sense. And when they made their Hopfenweiser with uh, Brooklyn Brewery, they were asking the Bavarian Brewers Association if it's possible to brew that beer, so they were completely, um, they were completely under, uh, agreeing with uh, the process of uh, dry hopping, but they were depending on the as uh, Brewers Association if they agree that they can do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it, and then we wouldn't have had a good beer, you know. So it's it's very weird. Can I ask you a question? Um, do you have any? reservations at all that if the purity law were not in effect that like lager brewers and a lot of these traditional brewers would cheapen up their product uh you think if the purity law would go down like if it wasn't in, in effect because you know yeah we have this great craft brewing scene but before that okay. for years and years you know if we're able okay. to brew cheaper people yeah. generally do and do you have any worries that that would happen to german breweries but we have also a lot of very cheap and uh, shitty products in Germany as well. This is not a... Don't use any names. The Careful law, there. The, <laughs> um, the same situation in the UK. You have great breweries in the UK without uh, use, uh, brewing only with the classic ingredients, but without having the purity law as a law. So I think this one thing has nothing to do with the other subject. So you're basically so we, saying uh, the, the purity law is as dated as the American Constitution in some ways. Um, I got to bring that in on election day. Come on, man. And you did, know, you, did you vote today, Sylvester? Yeah, I did. I time. did vote today. Sebastian, you know that um, Sylvester, he's American now. He's not German. 
Yeah, but I still think the Second Amendment is a bunch of horseshit, honestly. And, um, uh, you know, and, and so maybe the Reinheitsgebot, because, I mean, I found out through uh, the Google engine that the Reinheitsgebot came in when they started using animal parts, soot, and uh, all sorts of horrible stuff to, uh, uh, you know, make their volume bigger and uh, sell their beer back in the days. That's obviously dated. So I agree on that. However, I'm still a total traditionalist and like so, my So we took a, a, a medieval law and we're talking about it. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to have to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. It's hard talking on the phone. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, so we got uh, Sebastian Zara on the line. He's somewhere in Europe. He won't tell us where, but we're going to have to cut you, man, because it's too weird talking to you over the phone. And you've, you brought up, you can stay on if you want. We just, we, 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 everyone was like, you can't just cut the guy. We've got to say goodbye. But we're, we're going to talk and you just listen because hopefully you can hear us. Um, we brought up, this brought up a lot of points. And you're saying that one of the big issues with this Rhinos boat is the taxing. And the other one is how you can market, because if you can't call it beer, who's going to buy it? And then, and you're saying that a lot of the regular mainstream beers are shitty, which is a new word I haven't heard in English in a long time on the radio. <laughs> what have you, Trask? We're in the room with an American brewer who's making small batch beers that we all want to drink. And uh, tell us what you're, you're thinking about this well, conversation. I'm just really, I'm really curious about, A, the political forces that are involved now in supporting um, the purity laws, in, in, you know, in the modern context in Germany. And then also learning more about the, the political um, environment in 1516 when they were enforced and, and what that involved. I know, you know, I read all sorts of um, things about you know the Catholic Church wanting to focus on hops because the herbs that were being used were pagan herbs, and I've heard things about you you know uh, concentration of power and people wanting to outcompete other outside breweries outside Munich and Bavaria. Um, so I know there's a lot of political uh, concern that concerns. Yeah, all the grains were being used for beer, and there wouldn't be enough things for bread. Like sure. that's like, that's why they have barley. As, as one of the ingredients, but rye and wheat were meant to be reserved for bread. Well, I think that was also one of the reasons why they started using soot and stuff like that, because there was not enough grain. You know, it's very simple. So this purity law 500 years ago does not apply to our days. But, you know... There's, there's one addition that has been talked about. It's sugar. And, and the, you, you gave us an example of what the Black Abbott, this traditional brewery that Pretty much makes traditional beers, but adds sugar. Yes. And the fight they had to go through. I write that today. I was just doing a bit of research, and uh, I did not, never heard of that, that brewery. I never knew that there was a monastery brewery north of Berlin in the former East Germany. But uh, it's a family uh, operation, and the, the son is still brewing, and his father is still around. And they uh, have developed this one beer, the Black Abbot, I think it was called, right? You, you researched it. Black too. Abbot, yes. Yeah. 
and uh, they used a bit of sugar to. Justin to, had some nice notes to, too. To add some notes, and uh, they got into trouble. They were not allowed to call it beer, and they fought it, and they lost. And they, apparently, they spent so much money in fighting it that they almost lost the brewery. Maybe that's a little dramatized, but um. well, you know the, the the beer that we had from from Sebastian, the Fry Guys, the Abraxas, was that's like a little smoked smoked malt. Um, Sebastian, you want to tell us about that beer, the Abra- Abraxas? This is a beer which is uh, brewed according to the purity law. So this is an uh, old beer style called Lichtenheiner, which is a um, beer style from Thuringia, so from East Germany, and uh, used to be a sourish smoked wheat beer. But the story you said about the Black Abbot, they actually won. They are allowed to produce this beer, and they are allowed to call uh, uh, it beer also, because they fought, uh, had a very long fight uh, in front of court, but they were winning. And the other story you were talking about, the purity law, uh, this, is a, this is a big legend uh, um, created by all the brewers' associations, but this is not the real story why the purity law came up. And uh, at the end of the day, I think the most important situation is neither you are, uh, doesn't matter if you're a traditionalist or not. It's just a question if you're allowed to do it or not. You know, it's uh, fantastic if you uh, just like beers with the classic basic ingredients, but it's more about the right if someone else is able to do it. You don't need to drink it. It's just the question <laughs> is um, someone else able to make and create a cherry beer or whatever and uh, the freedom to brew it and the freedom to pick to drink it. I think it's about that. It's not about your personal flavor and personal taste. I think this is a historic radio show. <laughs> but I was just going to say, you know, I, I totally agree, uh, Sebastian. And, and brewers you know, throughout history have sort of defined styles by just reacting to whatever region they were in and whatever ingredients were avail- available to them. But, you know, now we kind of are really obsessed with style and, you know, searching out and, and adhering to styles. But, you know, how does that fit in the context when, you know, as brewers in New York or wherever we are in the world, you, you know, to go back in time, we should be really looking for the ingredients that are closest to us and reacting to our, you know, our local environment. Um, and in that context, it doesn't it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, that's much more important. And, yeah. you know, I agree. Do whatever you want. I mean, I don't have to drink it. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, maybe you can cut a corner. And, uh, you're in Cologne. You're around the corner from Belgium. I mean, maybe just open a brewery in Belgium. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> See, Sylvester wants you, know, you to I, stick I don't, I, don't, I don't need to open a brewery in Belgium because I can do whatever I want uh, also in Germany. It's just more of the situation, what is a real legal situation, and why is it such a huge problem if uh, so many other countries have no problem. It's a little bit about the story, like you have a piece of bread and you add some raisins, and people say, what did you do? Now it's not uh, bread anymore. You know, it doesn't make sense. It's just like it's another ingredient and uh, it's not a problem. Sebastian, it's, uh, <laughs> what are the it's a po- natural ingredient. That's what it's about. And I think there's uh, no problem at all. And as I said before, it's always a question of, uh, of taste. It's like a very old philosophical work where it's like, okay, it's depending on the people, what they want, what they uh, pick. You shouldn't take the decision from the people and put it to the government what kind of uh, drinks or food people pick. Love it, love it. We have election day here. Do I want raisins in my bread? 
That's the question for Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Do I want raisins in my bread, guys? But and you know, sitting here drinking this beer. First of all, I want to give big credit to Travis and Folks Beer because we've had first as Hellas, the very light, grassy beer that. Uh, even Sylvester wanted another one. You liked that, didn't you? Yeah, I'd support yeah. my, my And I'm really a big fan of this this uh, dark rye lager. The Nightwalk, yeah, thank you. And I'm yeah. going to give a plug. that Not I think, I think right above. now there's one place in New York City called Jimmy's Number 43 <laughs> where you can get both the Hellas and, and the dark rye lager on draft tonight yep. if you're around. That's Did you right. know that, Ann? I do now. <laughs> but it's one thing I feel lucky about, you know, I, I and also meeting guys like Sebastian Sauer that that he's there starting this kind of new craft beer movement in you know in Cologne and traditional beer making part of Germany. And I understand his frustration because he wants to break out and he wants to let the world know that his beer is so great and it is. But then here in New York we're doing it, man, and uh, you know, thank you. But the, the one question about styles of beer, this is a whole other thing. Last summer you made the best pills I've ever had in America. And tell us what it Whoa. was and why you could only make one batch of it, because that's more about beer making. Sure. So that was the Sunshine Daydream, and it's sort of like my pinnacle idea. These are laws of, laws of physics that are holding <laughs> us back. We're a very small brewery uh, in Brooklyn, and we make a very small amount of beer. And we're working on ex- expanding our... Um, our operation but right now for us to store beer for three to six months and and lager properly and really you know integrate all the flavors and and do what a a real pills needs is just not practical Um, and that's why you don't see a ton of them Um, and we you know we do a more uh, in in depth uh, brewing process as well but you know as soon as we can we're going to buy big tanks and we're going to make tons and tons so i was making the hellas Different than making the pills. The Hellas is a much shorter process. It's basically made as like a common beer um, or steam beer, um, trademark uh, steam beer. And uh, so, you know, we, that was a... What's the German word for a steam beer? Steam beer? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. I have Horst Dornbusch's <laughs> book here. It's Dampf It's an American beer. Dampf beer, yeah. Dampf American beer style is the, the original steam beer. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's in a German-American context, and I feel good about making it. But what I really want to make is August Brau for Brooklyn in my, in my my most ideal world. Yeah. And you also make another, I call it a Kolsch style, your morning dew. Morning dew, yeah. It is, it is a Kolsch style. It's a, uh, definitely a combination of that, that style and, and more American pale ales. Um, but designed to have those German ideas of mellowness and integration and, you know, balance, but also use a bunch of American hops and, and sort of push that to the front, but not in a way that pushes the beer out of balance. And, and you know, listen, talking to the, our guests and listening to the show, how would you sum up this, this you know, Reinheim's boat's 500 anniversary? Well, you know, I'm just really curious. A controversy? And uh, what's your name? Oh, sorry. Glenn. Glenn sitting next to me is curious about this as well. It's just forget about... I'm going to ask you, Sebastian, aside from the government, aside from the laws that are happening, what would the average German, you know, beer drinker think if this law were to be overturned? Would you think there'd be a lot of support for it? Do you think people would kind of fight against it? Like, how do you think the reaction would be from the people? Huge uh, uproar. People, Revolution. Really, uh, this was a question for me? Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, okay. The, um, the problem is that um, the general German beer drinker is very uninformed, has no real clue. It's pretty much the situation like in uh, most other countries as well. Um, but the problem is that uh, most Germans think they know everything about beer, but they actually don't. 
and uh, so it's quite a bit of stubbornness and um, so they think their local beer is the best but they actually don't know what uh, else is really available so they have the idea that uh, pretty much American beers are all pretty shitty bland lagers and all the Belgian beers are made with chemicals and so on and so on so this is the problem and uh, of course you don't get a great uh, um, great opinion from these type of people but if they are informed they actually would decide different and uh, the people who know are very critical about it so a lot of people having shops having bars now also with a new as you call it craft beer uh, scene in Germany uh, nearly nobody is really uh, happy with the purity law everyone is uh, kind of hiding it and there's a lot of documentaries in TV in those days where people are Talking against it. Das erinnert mich an meinen Vater, weißt du? Mein Vater hat, als ich aufgemacht habe, hat er äh, gesagt, was ist denn das? Why, why do you have so many... I'm talking about my father. I just wanted to bring a little German here. Uh, I want you to keep talking in German in the background. Well, Travis says what he was going to say. So you can keep whispering in German. You guys talk in German and Travis. Well, this is a question for Sebastian. I'm, I'm just curious, who is benefiting from modern-day Reinhardtsgebot and why do they want to maintain it? Uh, why the organizations want to maintain it? Yeah, who are they and what do they benefit from it and why do they want to maintain it? Um, the oh, associations defended uh, def, uh, defend yeah. because they think uh, it's a, it's a oh, great situation. Father, yeah. They think that uh, everywhere in the whole world uh, people are jealous of it and would love to have it. And um, this is like their knowledge of the old days. So there was, uh, in one of those days, there was an interview of uh, the, what was it? I think the great, uh, the grandson of the last Bavarian king. And uh, he has the, uh, the one brewery he's owning in Bavaria. Wie heißt der, wie heißt der letzte bayerische König? voting things which happened, I'm sorry? Wie heißt der letzte bayerische König? Uh, Prince Ludwig. Sehr gut. Prince Luitpold, also das ist hier von German and English so at the same time. So this was like long before everything happened in the U.S. and happened in other countries as well. So he was just referring to things which are not uh, up to date. And this is, uh, for, for me, it's a quite a, of a problem when uh, people are defending it like that without having more knowledge. Yeah. And uh, this is the whole situation with whatever type of person you talk. Uh, for example, five years ago, there was a first uh, beer festival in uh, Munich about more specialized beers. And we had... Uh, discussions of uh, how big the tasting glass should be and I mean I think we all uh, agree that a normal tasting glass would be 0.1 so that you have the challenge, uh, chance to taste as many different beers as possible with a good amount but not too much and uh, they were really the, the president of the Bavarian Brewers Association and the uh, uh, main teacher of the uh, brewing people in Munich the awesome, defending eh? half liter glasses as hmm. a tasting glass yeah, but they, mass they, like they said okay in Munich you drink half liter you don't drink less but you're like okay we have Lambic and we have Imperial stuff on the festival yes but half liter is a glass in Munich Sebastian Sebastian this is amazing you know what this is uh I'm so glad you started this dialogue a couple months ago. You, you posted on Facebook. Many of us on Saturday, April 23rd, and, and 
Please, Sylvester has to translate for me. You speak in German while I'm speaking in English. Okay. It's the, you know. Well, but uh, he, he's talking about glasses. Sebastian, wir trinken jetzt gerade aus Marmeladengläser, ja? We're drinking out of jam glasses, yeah? Um, you know, we once so. did a show, we had, we had a guy speaking in Czech also, so we don't mind a little foreign language, but Sebastian, thank you so much for your passion, man, and thanks for letting us talk about this, because honestly, you're right with the readings that, that I did today before the show. I said, oh yeah, the Imperial Law, because people use ash bone and toxins that would boost the alcohol level get people buzz and kill them it's the same thing people talking about in prohibition so you know there's definitely uh, i think that german beer has done very well because of these period laws and i think many people in the world do think of it them as great great brewers and i think you're definitely bringing them into the 21st century and and Anne, anything else you want to say about what you learned tonight because this is pretty fascinating to me no, I just I think it is true. We take it for granted that we can get anything and everything we want in New York City. So it's interesting. And to hear. we have to stop the show because yeah. now Sylvester wants to talk about going back to the days of Mesopotamia. No, I didn't and wanna... the early days of beer in the world, but that was before there was Germany. So but this has been a cool show and uh again, big big plug to Travis, folks beer, one of my favorite breweries in Brooklyn. Man. Let's do, Thanks, do you have a buddy. website? Or uh, social media info? Uh, Folksbeer.com or uh, FB Brewery on Instagram. We tried some, we tried some yeah. great beers from yeah. Folksbeer. Um, Ondix is a special beer that Sylvester gets at Zoom Schneider. I think you have a monopoly on it. One of the few guys that has this Ondix. It's like a toasted That's why I brought it lager. in, yeah. They're from 1455. I thought it's the right thing. It was a, just 100 years Older. There's a lot of history in it. And you know the guys in Germany and Belgium, there's so many great beer traditions. We are so proud and so happy to have you guys on our show all the time. Thanks to Travis, Sylvester, Sebastian, Ann, and Glenn for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Justin Kennedy and Maggie Seidner. Engineers tonight, David and Caitlin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.